coffee culture is brewed for connection. Under the guise of coffee, we've been meeting in cafes for centuries. Today is no different. Coffee Culture, the podcast, explores the meetup. If you are a coffee enthusiast, maybe seeking modern love on a coffee date or want some health hacks, we'll dig into that too. I'm Holly Shannon. Come wrap your hands around a hot cup of connection with me on Coffee Culture. Hello, Coffee Culture family. Today, I am with a very special guest. He's one half of Biz Bros. His name is Luis Camillo, and I probably didn't even pronounce it correctly. I'll let him say it right. But (laughs) I am going to let him do a bit of an introduction because he has a very special energy about him, and we're going to hear about his origin story and how he got to be Biz Bros. But um, hello, Luis. I'm going to let you do a little intro. How are you? Yeah. Hey, Holly, how are you? And thank you for having me in your amazing platform. And um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm Luis, uh, the better half of the Biz Bros, <laughs> for those <laughs> wondering. Uh, so Biz Bros is just really me and my brother. That was like the first business that we started about seven years ago. It, it has evolved quite a bit. So that's the name. There's a story behind the name. We can get into that later. But currently what we do is we have a podcasting and content agency. And we also have a, an amazing show called Content is Profit, which Holly will be guest. And uh, we're going to learn all about her. But yeah, we've been involved in media for a bunch of years now. And uh, yeah, this is what we do. We just create platforms and have fun in front of cameras. That's a that's a fast version of it. Thank you. So the, you love coffee? I do. Is that... Is that you do? Okay. Yes, How I am much a coffee. coffee sec- do you drink? Well, <laughs> I I'm trying to be good and only have two cups a day, to be honest, because okay. uh, you know there's only so much I can handle. But um, yeah, it's the qu- quality for me. Like I want a really good cup of coffee, and if I start uh, drinking okay. one that sucks, I don't even finish it. Oh, okay, okay. So in Venezuela, is, there's a big coffee culture. Uh, coffee is really good, and I remember the morning smell of coffee is my childhood's like smell because I will wake up and my mom will have a cup of coffee with her every single day. And it was crazy. And uh, we have an episode called Coffee Serendipity. And it, it was like how we build relationships in the coffee shop that we work off in the mornings. We are there before they open. They just have a cup of coffee for me and my brother, <laughs> which is insane. And, uh, and it's been amazing. We've met incredible entrepreneurs and people that just for some reason get there. It's an independent shop. And uh, it's been awesome. So, we- so your first coffee was with your grandmother? Is, is that what my w- no? Well, my first coffee ever. Like I would not drink coffee. Like um, was here in the states during college <laughs> because okay. I was like, um, yeah, it was like finals week or something. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it. And I worked in Red Bull back in Venezuela when I did two years of college there, my, my main job was with them in the marketing side. So energy drinks has always been a part of my life in a sense. So I was like, I'm getting my fix with my energy drink. But, um, but what happened is we had an office space near downtown, well, near like this, the shopping center in Jacksonville is like the very commercial space where we were shooting all these videos and whatnot. And, uh, we would just stay there. Like they have this like coffee machine and it was like the best thing ever. But then when we moved, I moved like to the suburbs a little bit away from that area, I build a studio inside of the house. And I'm like, well, now I don't have a coffee machine. Like what I'm going to do. And my brother found a coffee shop that's like three minutes away from my house. And we started going there just to like get work done and, you know, just see people, right? Like this was like at the end tail of, of COVID. And uh, we ended up meeting their manager, their assistant manager, their owners. My brother is now, uh, my brother's girlfriend is the owner of, is the daughter of the owner. So she, he's dating the, the daughter of the owner and wow. uh, it, they just become like this extended family now. So we are there early. So I do my workout and then I go straight there and they open a, around seven. I'm there at six and they have the coffee ready for us. And uh, so it's been amazing. And we met incredible people that we worked with and incredible people that have building these amazing projects uh, all worked out of there. And it's just been like, well, we call it coffee serendipity is because, you know, you're sharing this cup of coffee or you're in this place where coffee is being exchanged and you don't know who's sitting next to you. And all of a sudden you start having this conversation and they're amazing. They have an amazing story. They're working on amazing things. Like just two days ago, 
uh, we remet the owner of the fitness studios that I was working on and she just like stopped by and she's like, Oh my God, Luis, you're here. And I haven't seen her in two years. And turns out that now she's building this amazing, uh, community for women where they're building 20 homes for homeless people. And you're like, what? And she was meeting in the coffee shop with the person that's helping them build all this. And then she's like, you guys need to meet and then connected us. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? So coffee shops are this amazing space where, you know, you can meet people, you can build amazing relationships and uh, something good always comes out of it. So yeah, coffee has a special space for, for me. So is this an entrepreneurial shop? It's not like a Starbucks. It's like a privately no, owned so little cute coffee place yeah so they um they purchased the space like they started renting the space and it was called twisted compass and uh and it was just one shop and um they hate starbucks like starbucks is like to to like a block away <laughs> they have like this amazing um you know coffee machine that was brought from italy it's like thousands of thousands of dollars and the espresso machine right and it's like professional level and they've all trained and the baristas are there. So it started there and it was like very mom and shop. They had like a back room where you can like relax and stuff. But unfortunately there was not like the revenue that they were making was not the best. So what there's a group of four owners. One of them, this, they found an opportunity with a franchise called Parlor, Parlor Donuts. So oh, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. are you familiar with them? I feel like I've, I've seen that before. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a Krona. It's like a croissant mm -hmm. with like a donut. Like it's, it's delicious. It's so good, but so bad also at the same time. But, um, what they did is like, they just rebranded that shop, but they kept the coffee section. So parlor do does not have coffee. So what they did is like, they just kept the baristas. And uh, so they provide that coffee and people come in, they come in for like a donut, but then they stay for the coffee, which is amazing. So what they're doing now, now they got the license to all Jacksonville and all the areas. So now they're opening shops. They just opened the second one. And the whole concept is first coffee and then the donut, which is amazing. And they've been doing really, really good. So yeah, we love them. And uh, again, extended family now that, you know, we're, we're in their house and it all was born out of this coffee shop experience. Where, I love that story. Yeah. So her names is Ray and David. They're like the managers and David is like a train barista. He loves experiment. He was like the guy there at 5 a.m., you know, you know, I don't know, measuring the shot or what I, they have a term for it where it's like, he has to be right. So I will come in and be like, he'll, he'll have like four espresso shots lined up and he's like, Hey, can you train with me? Which one tastes better? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like I have zero reference on what good coffee is. That's how bad I was. Right. Mm. Still. Right. I just, I just like the, you know, the caramel latte. That's what I get. <laughs> but, uh, okay. but he knows like, he'll be like, here, he gave me like, here's the Starbucks shot and here's our shot. And I was like, Whoa, night and day. Right. Like this is like, you know, tastes burnt. What the yeah, like, it yes, is. They burn exactly. it. Yeah. That's what he told me. So, uh, anyways, now I know. But, uh, but yeah, so that he might be the person to like maybe experiment with it. So yeah, I can make a connection if that's, the, if, if that's <laughs> I have what an idea want. in my head. I just need the right little company. That's like, Oh my God, let's do it. But okay. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. 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 We, we'll um, part of our life project in a sense, my brother wants a coffee shop where he has a ton of books. Like, like I said, he's a researcher. He reads a ton so he just wants like a library mixed with a coffee shop. And at me, I'm like, I love movies and superheroes and all that stuff. You see like that side of the studio, that's all that. And it's like, where can I put all my superhero paraphernalia <laughs> before my wife kicks me out of the, the well, house? Well, you know and... what? That's a really cool <laughs> idea though. What if you found a space, because you're in Florida, yeah. that has um, a back lot to it? And you can drop a projector and have evening movies where you feature those movies that you love to to have. And they'll serve like, you know, maybe decaf or uh, yeah. some sort of bourbon with a little coffee in it or something like you change it, like what what's presented. The I don't know. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's in the books. It's uh, it's part of the, the project. But one, one step at a time, we're in the media company growth yeah, right. at the moment and but yeah easy easy's the owner of the other shop and he's like he, he's on it he's like i'll I'll find your spot and uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's awesome it's just like it's just brought so much joy 
to our to our life and uh, it's awesome yeah <laughs> i love that i love it so what i want to do is um i want to go back to around 2010 um because i understand that's around the time that you came from venezuela over to the us on i believe a soccer scholarship so maybe can i take you back in time and ask you to share that part yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, we, we were in an event uh, a couple of years back and we're sharing all these stories um, and people are like, wait, like, how old are you? And I, I was 30 at the time and uh, my life in the U.S. start when I'm 21 and we have all these Venezuelan crazy stories that happen on this in the soccer world. Right. But, bef- you know, when that ended in a way where we were looking for a new opportunity right in in the United States and part of it is we We've been training for years and years to be professional soccer players. That was our dream. And uh, I got the chance to play in Italy and to play in Spain. And uh, we went back to our home, which was Venezuela. And they were not a, the, the political situation was not the best, right? And for the dreams and the aspirations that we had, we're like, well, maybe we have to go and, and find a, a different way um, to, to get those achieved. You know, we saw opportunities just being shut down left and right in our country, sadly. But you know, that presented an opportunity and uh, we decided that we were going to record ourselves uh, playing some soccer and scoring some goals. And uh, we created this real video and we ended up sending it in a cold email to all the coaches on D1, D2 and D3 in the United States. So we called email every single coach with a pitch. Brilliant. Uh, and here's our video. And here's the thing. And uh, here are our grades. And we we use an academy to, do, you know, do our um, SATs and there's an English test called TOEFL. So we had all that ready and we emailed everybody. And I was very lucky that I got two offers. One of them was in Florida. And uh, the guy that was kind of guiding us through the process, he's like, man, this is a D1 school in Florida. You have to go. And to me, that meant nothing, right? I had no idea what a D1 school, D2 school meant. But I'm like, sounds good. I guess I have, you know, I have an aunt in Tampa. I guess I'll be able to go see her. But, um, and that's how really this adventure started. So, uh, you know, that led to an amazing four years in college, meeting my wife in college, playing the sport I love in college. And then, that started, um, you know, the thought process on building our own company and our own thing uh, from those four years. So, yeah, that was really the start of of Bizbros, in a sense. <laughs> That's amazing. I love how um, I don't know inventive you guys were with your cold email and your video and everything. I, I feel like nowadays people need to maybe think outside of the box, maybe even go old school again on certain things because we're so inundated with um, social media and things happening that if you if you don't break out of the box, like if you don't do something really incredibly different to get attention, um, it's really hard to get noticed. But um, so I love that you did that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have... I- I'm not going to lie. I have to give credit to our dad at the time, right? Like he's a no excuse kind of guy. And, uh, you know, you can get pretty defeated when you don't know the process and you don't know how things work. And and that can be very overwhelming. And he's like, let's just go straight to the source, right? Let's just go. Who's making the decision? The coach. Let's just find out who, like what email can we send this? And we'll start doing it, you know, consistently every single day. And uh, to this day, that's a lesson that, that, that we take, right? Especially, you know, like you mentioned on social media, there's, it can be very overwhelming. Just the fact that you open your phone and you're trying to, you know, interact with your audience and you get distracted and an hour later, you're like, wow, I'm still on my phone. What's happening? Um, that's on like the consumer side, but also on the building the relationship side or the business side, uh, same thing. Like, how are you unique, right? What, how's your message unique? How's you, how are you different from, from everybody else? And that has been a journey that has been really interesting in the last three years, especially with the podcast on how can we be ourselves, be comfortable with ourselves and, uh, and sharing, you know, our message and, and just reach out. And that's how we connected over, over in LinkedIn, you know, it was a, a message and we're like, wow, there's some synergies here. Let's connect. Let's continue the conversation. And maybe some things happen. Right. And are we brave enough to actually go do that? And there's amazing people that are doing it. There's also amazing people that just need that little nudge to, to start doing it. Well, I, I have a lot of respect for you for, first of all, like listening to your father and understanding like that he might have some insight 
into this area that you didn't. Um, and you took his advice and it really did pay off. And, and I will say to people, I get hit up in my DMs on LinkedIn all <laughs> the time. And I, I always try to respond to people, you know, and, and usually it's, um, I feel bad. I kind of I'm letting people down because they're always asking for the chat, the virtual chat, you know, can we catch up? I, you know, or I connect with them and they immediately send me a pitch, which I call pitch slap because they haven't gotten to know me. Yeah. There's like, there's no connection made. They've made no effort to like look at, you know, my content, maybe leave some comments and start to develop a relationship in in engagement using what what it's for and yeah. so 9 times out of 10 maybe even more than that <laughs> i say no to people for that virtual chat i don't really have the time like i i'm i'm busy yeah. i'm really super busy and those virtual chats with strangers around the world can really fill up your time and and I did that during COVID. I was much more liberal in doing that because, yeah, you know, we were all trying to find a way to connect then, but I can't do it now. But there was something about your energy, Luis, um, and there was something about your delivery um, you've carried through even from when you first did your applications for those D1 schools, like you've carried through it a certain um, piece of you in it that didn't feel as corporate. I can't quite explain it. And I'm not going to tell anybody what you did on my DM <laughs> because I, I don't want them to mimic it because it was, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And, and honestly, you. Um, you, you might be one of two people I actually took up on an interview for people who reached out to get to know me. So you're doing it right. Awesome. Thank you. I'm honored. Um, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I mean, if we, if, you know, if you're on LinkedIn, you'll probably get those messages, right? For those that are listening every single day, right? So same thing. It's like, okay, how can we create connection early in our journey with publishing? We understood the power of our relationship, right? And uh, it's okay. Like we've seen, we've developed relationships from two years ago, three years ago that today we continue to be connected and there might be an opportunity, right? Like uh, one of the, my brother, one of the things that he says it's like our ultimate goal is to just to make a ton of friends, right? At the end of the day, um, do, do we really want to work or engage with the people that we enjoy being around? And at the beginning, we had such a negative experience trying to be somebody that we were not. And then we ended up working with people that we didn't really enjoy working with. And it was just a lot of drag, a lot of friction. So we made a decision. We're like, okay, you know what? From this day on, we're just going to be ourselves everywhere on our DMs, uh, in our social media outreach, in our content, in the things that we say. And I think that has been very empowering. It was very scary at the time, right? Because we don't really know what that looks like, but you know, you start hearing feedback and things like what you just said, and it's amazing. So I really encourage everybody, right? Like what, what is that unique thing? And, and just don't be scared to, to go put that message out there. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a, a tactical version of this and leverage of technology and how you can do these things. But at the end of the day, we said, right, this is us doing the DMS. There's a reason sometimes I spent like two months, maybe I don't respond, but I'll, when I respond, I'll be like, I am so, so sorry. Like it was literally me. I was busy with my four-year-old, my one-year-old and I have not <laughs> I have no sleep. So anyways, but here I am. I'm present now. If you are down to chat, let's do it. But yeah. So thank you for recognizing that. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. He's, he's not getting any sleep, but he, he put a trampoline in last weekend. Oh. And so his kids are getting like nice and exhausted um, from, from playing on there and they're sleeping better. So he might've just figured out the trick for all new parents. Go get a trampoline. Go get a trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, um, I, you know, I want to share with people what you're doing now, but you didn't start there and you started with a screen printing business, if I'm not mistaken. And because we've all iterated and innovated and shifted um, and pivoted for the past two years or so, yeah. um, it's not uncommon for any of us to have changed what we did. I mean, I was doing, you know, marketing and business strategy and working um, contracts and leading task force 
in the boutique industry, um, in hospitality specifically. And then I was on the user experience side and building content and started a podcast. Now, they're different, you know, like we all had to do what we had to do in April, 2020. So do you want to take us like a little bit on a journey (laughs) so we can understand how you got from there to here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll say what we do now and then we'll go back and be like, wow, like these guys are a little crazy. But (laughs) so um, obviously what we have now, like our main platform is a podcast called Content is Profit. Like that's our that's our baby. We've been we've done more than 420 episodes. We do them live three times a week. And it's just been an incredible journey of self-discovery, building relationships, talking to people like Holly. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, we've been very blessed that uh, hotspot believed in us. So we're part of their network. And that has been like the, the main thing, you know, that we've done over the last three years. And then on the back end, we do have, um, a content production agency, right. That can look in many ways, but we help people publish consistently and, and increase revenue. So that's like the main core thing that we do, how we got there. Oh boy. Um, so it started, right. Like we graduated, I graduated in 2014, uh, from college and, um, and I had no idea really what I wanted to do, but I knew that I didn't want to go into a corporate job. For some reason, I saw it very negatively. Uh, my friends at the time that were being graduated, the city I'm in, there's a lot of logistics and banking, and that's not the thing that really attracted me. I was always, you know, doing side gigs or I was like uh, coordinating high ropes course and doing like active things. So I never really saw myself in, in that environment. So I was like, okay, well, let's just get a job somewhere where I have time and I have a resource of time to try to figure out this thing. Right. And I was very lucky that my girlfriend at the time, now wife was very supportive of me. And she's like, go do your thing. Uh, you know, do you enjoy. So that led to screen printing, like you said, but we started with vinyl stickers. So we ended up buying this machine and we started cutting vinyl in, in one of the extra rooms that we had in our house. I had six roommates. It was a seven bedroom and it was a little bit of a crazy, crazy time in our lives, but we, we were having a blast and we will literally called call like an, a knock on the doors of these local businesses be like, Hey, do you want this $20 sticker? And, uh, and that's how we started to build these local relationships. That evolved into screen printing. We went to an event once where you actually needed to be a legit business to get in. And proof of that was the website. And we're in this line to actually get into this into this event and our website was not up. And uh, we had a roommate at the time who was our partner here and he was really tech savvy. So we noticed like that we had four people ahead of us about to go into the event. One gets an eye because the website was not up. And we're like, oh boy, we have the tickets. We... Like, what's the thing missing? And we see my roommate in his phone just trying to figure out the website thing. And he got like a version of it up. And then as soon as we step in, he like shows it to the lady and be like, okay, you're good. And then we went in. Oh my God. That was such an amazing experience because we were exposed to the industry on on those sites. It was uh, an expo called Surf Expo in Orlando. And we met up a bunch of manufacturers and people who got to ask a ton of questions, learn a lot. So that's what we decided to do. And as we were building relationship with small businesses and selling them a bunch of t-shirts for events for 5Ks and these things, people started asking, what else do you guys do? And uh, my brother was tinkering with cameras at the time. And he's like, well, we, you know, we're doing these videos. And he showed kind of like something that he did at home. He's like, can you do that for like our 5K or our race or an event? And we're like, sure. And so that's how content started. We will go to these events and start recording them, editing them and sending it back. And then we decided that the t-shirt business was not our thing because we have this machine in our garage in Florida, 90 degree weather, you know, 80% humidity. Um, so I, I was a studio manager. I was a fitness manager at the time. So we'll come from like my end of the day about 8 p.m. And then we will be screen printing t-shirts till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And it was just a little hectic. So we decided that that's not the thing that we wanted and we shifted because we're developing a brand at the time with that. And we're like, we're learning all these things. What I think we can help other businesses do it. And our tagline at the time was, we, we're the anti-marketing agency. <laughs> and people are like, wait, what? And uh, we're like, well, what's your marketing agency doing now? And they will tell us, right? And they'll be like, well, my frustration is X. And we're like, awesome, we can help you solve that. And <laughs> we will like literally go ahead and and figure out how to help them in that way. And it, this was like Perfect. smaller businesses, like gyms and chiropractors and dentists. And that part of it, we started building funnels, email campaigns, and things to help them generate that revenue. And then on the back end, they were like, oh my gosh, but we need to create more content. We need to be in control of our message. How do we actually do that? So 
we started building these frameworks to help them record that. And we will show up on their location. We'll record the kind of content that they wanted to record and do it. And that was really the start of it. And then COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, all these businesses closed. Within a week, we lost about 85% of our sales and our monthly Ouch. recurring revenue. Yes, it was really painful. I went into a crisis mode. My brother almost slapped me twice in the face. He just talked. He told me, go, go take a walk. I was like the spreadsheet guy. So um, when we came back, we're like, well, what do we have now? We have time right now. You know, we're not working on this project. We're freelancing at the time. We had no team. And we're like, you know what? I think it's start for us to start the podcast and putting our voice out there and, and do these things. And keep in mind for like a year now, we were publishing all Facebook lives internally for us. And uh, we were able to launch the show. And uh, immediately right after we were able to develop one key relationship in the first 20 episodes that led to a very big opportunity. And we're like, wow, this is a really cool way to find the people that you really want to work with and do that. So after that experience, we were like, this is where we're doubling down. And uh, things started to move forward. And, you know, three years later, here we are. <laughs> it's amazing. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to preach the power of podcasting because it's not really what this particular show is about. Um, uh, you know, people can find that out from, uh, from my book or somebody else's book. But, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, podcasting, if if you have a strategy, the right strategy, you can fashion your show to uh, be seen as a thought leader and get yourself on stages and make some really interesting relationships. You also could do a focus on bringing interviews in with businesses you want to partner with. You know, the, yeah. you could be very strategic. Um, you could use it as a sales funnel. So like, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how powerful the platform is, um, but we won't, we'll stop there on that. What I want to point out, um, and this is something that I learned from you, um, you stayed hyper local when everything kind of went awry um, and you lost all that business. Um, and I think you know, my show is a lot about connection, right? Like why we meet up, we want to be with people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people started meeting up and trying to find communities, trying to find their tribe, whether it was on Facebook or um, at their church with their mask on or some sort of outdoor activity, like everybody joins for like an outdoor yoga or something like that. We're always seeking connection. And, yeah. and, during that time and thereafter, more than ever, I believe. And I think what was so powerful, what you had shared with me was how you really, um, while you were building what you did, you really worked on the community side of it. Like you recognized that you could help people even locally. Um, and so I wanted to sort of lean in on that uh, side of connection because I think that's yeah. part of your sweet spot and part of why people love you guys and, mm -hmm. and why you were able to slide into other people's inboxes so easily because <laughs> it's who you are. Like you, like you said, we're just going to have fun. Like we're just going to be genuine in who we are. You know how to connect Luis. So how do you, you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, just drop uh, that there. You go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, initially the hyper local thing was because we were dealing with physical location. So, as a studio manager at the time, I was very lucky that I was in a in a high end fitness studio. So, a lot of the members were local business owners, right? So, part of my job was to build that relationship with them when they were coming in and you know sweating away <laughs> all their worries, and uh, and I was able to just become friends with a lot of people, right? So. Um, we were always having this project on the side where people started asking questions and be like, Hey, by the way, like, this is something that my brother might be doing for somebody else. You should try it. Right. And then we started building this trust. They would try, they'll get results. And we're like, Oh my God, they'll come back. And, uh, and you know, in a business way, we saw opportunity there, but at the end of the day, it's like, how am I serving the person that I'm talking to? Like how, what value can I provide? And we have this analogy. Um, I love, I love it. It's the cookie analogy. I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but it's like, <laughs> Um, if you have a kid, right, you know, you grab him and bring him to the kitchen, right? And if you have some cookies, some, you know, chip tahoys or whatever, like, you know, Girl Scout cookies, you give that kid 
um, a cookie, right? And I'll use Luca, my son, my four-year-old as an example. So I'll grab Luca and be like, hey, here's here's one cookie for you. And he'll be like super excited, right? He'll be, oh my gosh, that, thank you so much. And they'll be like, hey, here's another cookie, right? Two cookies. I'll be like, what? This is so good. And they'll be like, here's a third cookie, right? And for him, that's very valuable. And he'll like grab him here, you know, salivate. He's like, I'm going to about to eat him. And then be like, oh, oh, hold on. Let me grab one of those cookies. So I'll grab one cookie and he'll be like a little like confused, but then he'll be like, like what? oh, I still have some, I still have two cookies. So I'm still happy, right? Then what happens, right? In that situation where if I give him one cookie and be like, oh, this is so exciting. Here's your cookie. And then I'll be like, oh, but wait, let me, let me grab that cookie and then eat it. He won't be happy at all. He'll throw a fit, right? So this analogy cookie is the same as when are we providing value to the people and the relationships that we're having? So in that specific case inside of the studio, what was happening is I was giving them tips and things that I thought that that would help them because it was helping other people that were similar and they were going and executing and then they'll come back be like, what else? And we will give them something else and they'll execute on that. What else? Right now that this gives me an ability or the permission to go for an ask and be like, Hey, by the way, like if this is helping, will you be open to a meeting with me and my brother about this thing? Right. And that led to so many opportunities, right? So it was like a lot about like cookie, 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 and then, you know, an ask, right? So what is the, what is the cookie that you're giving that person? And then uh, we saw, we saw that we were getting a lot of traction and a lot of conversations. And at the time we were trying to figure out what really we wanted to do, right? In a sense, like what's intrinsic for us, what makes us feel good, what serves the client. So when we decided to do, to do the jump full time for Bezros and the agency, that was the same approach that we ended up doing, right? And we're like, okay, how can we provide value? And then when we lost all that business, because of, of the situation that the country was in, right? A lot of businesses were like, it's just, we don't know what's going to happen in the next three, four months. So, you know, this this thing, this paycheck that we're giving you guys, um, there's a lot of value conversation in there, right? We're like, this is not the, the, the right time to stop communicating with your community, right? Like this is when you have to double down. Uh, but even though when they were canceling, we send them with like a, a framework and a recipe, like here's how you can add value on your own time and here's how you can leverage it. And that was imp- incredible because, when everything opened back up, they came back and be like, hey guys, like we're ready to come back. And this kept us kind of engaging with those people. So again, more cookies, right? Like when is an opportunity where I can give them a cookie full of value and then that will give me permission, you know, to go and, and do an ask. So when we launched the show, that was the whole concept. We we're like, okay, we're going to do interviews three times a week, right? For us, it's great because we build on one side, authority, relevancy, and trust. And again, we're talking podcasting, but this can be a video. This can be an Instagram live. This could be like any, like a one conversation, a connection conversation. And then on that podcast, we're providing value because the person that comes into it in their perspective, that is value to them. So then we'll refer them to somebody. And and then after that, our ask is simply, hey, will you be open to learn a little bit more about what we do? And you'll be surprised, right? So it was behind that cookie concept that we built this amazing platform. And I encourage every single one, like you mentioned earlier in your DMs, it's like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, all these people, the, the, the pitch slap, right? It's like right off the bat. It's like they give you that mm-hmm. cookie and then they take it away real fast. Mm-hmm. So again, if we're going to talk hyper-local, it's the same thing. It's like, what is something that I can provide that can help that person? Is it a connection, right? Is it uh, information that is going to lead them and give them an awesome result? Is it just a, a really cool conversation with no sales pitch, right? Like, there's so many ways that we can do this. And that's how we were able to build initially like our hyper local, you know, Jacksonville community of, of the people that, that we helped and serve. And that evolved quite a bit. And that's how we replicated it on the online world. And for us, our playground was Facebook initially. So which it's the same framework, same thing. It's like, how much value can I actually provide? And a lot of people are very scared of like, oh my gosh, I'm, ju- I'm just going to tell them everything. I'm like, sure, why not? If it's going to help them, right? There's going to be an opportunity where you can also ask something back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that ha- that was a little bit. Of- Hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> you did. Uh, I, You know, the whole marketing side of me is, which I think we talked about before is like, uh, is coming through right now. And so what I want to tell you is that I think it's Oreo cookies that let you do, um, <laughs> you know, put like, your logo or your name or something on the cookies yeah. where you could do biz bros. And I think you should send to all your clients a Oreo box <laughs> of Oreo cookies for Christmas. I will eat them all before. And I am addicted to Oreo cookies. And if you put a glass too. of milk next to me, oh boy, like that's it. They'll be destroyed. <laughs> so it's funny. I'm so snooty about my cookies now because I live in a city where I have access to like 
all of these really great little entrepreneurial shops and making like these beautiful cookies, like all different kinds. My favorite being Levon, although they they're a little bigger now. They're in a few cities, but yeah, um, yeah, I I I'm down for Oreo cookies (laughs) too, though. You know, like. Yes. It's just something that takes you right back with those, I love right? it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, great idea. It ties down to the story so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Hey, coffee lovers. I have two quick announcements. I am opening a YouTube channel at Holly Shannon, and I'm going to have all of coffee culture on there. So you can capture the little shorts for five minutes here and there, or you can capture the full length interviews. Also, my book Zero to Podcast is on Amazon and it's on my website. And it is the how to guide to start your podcast really fast and get your voice and ideas on iTunes and Spotify like I did makes a great holiday gift for you, perhaps a graduation present, or maybe it's your New Year's resolution. Both links are in the show notes. And now back to our show, Coffee Culture. So you and your brother um, have your your podcast together. So what are you on the community side and he's on the tech? Like, where's the divide on there? Do you both do everything? Yeah, good question. So at the beginning of like our journey, we were both doing everything at the same time together, right? It's like we would jump on a call, we would both be on the call. Like we will go in a meeting, we will both go in a meeting. And uh, I remember through those relationships, we ended up going to a mastermind. And in the middle of like one of the speech, the speeches that we were like, we looked at each other, we're like, we're, we're, I don't think we're too smart right now. Like we're wasting so much time and, and, and expertise, right? He's very, he's very creative, right? He's the idea guy. He comes out, he loves to do research. He loves to like go in and deep dive into topics and all these things. Right. And, uh, he is great with people as well, but I think I lean more into that. Right. So I lean more into the conversations. I lean more into building that, that relationship. I love the operational side. So on my side, you know, I will build the back end of our admin side. Like what is the product management tool that we're going to use? What is the process? What is the system? Right. So at the time we're trying to identify again, what, what was the market fit for what we were doing, but also as a relationship with him, with my, my work partner in a sense, and he's actually my real brother, right. Uh, we're trying to figure out like what was our role. And that took a couple of years and a lot of tries, right? And we have these amazing conversations with entrepreneurs that might have a partner in crime, right? Or they're married and they're doing business with their with their with their spouse. And a lot of the questions is like, how do you guys working together in a sense? So on the podcast specifically, you know, to your question, he like we decided we just sat down one day and be like, okay, what are all the tasks? What are all the things that we need to do to release this podcast? You know, from asking the person to come all the way to the end. So there's some tasks that we both do. So asking people is like, if if he sees somebody that could be a really cool fit, he'll go and he'll have that conversation and he'll do it. But we both don't have to be there, right? We'll multiply in time. And then I will trust 100% his judgment of the person that he's coming, just like he trusts my judgment with the person that comes. After that, there's a series of, uh, of tasks that initially was like, oh yeah, I'm free, I'll do it. Or you're free, you do it. But now it's very specific. Now it's like, you know, from this time to this time, it's post-production, there are certain steps and, you know, it changed from where it was just me and him to now we do have a team. So now what what does the team do? We free some time. But um, yes, is I mean, if we're going to get a specific, at the time, we love to have control of our show. Our show is live. So there's little to no post-production on the back end except for the micro content. So we set it up that way because when we identify those tasks, we're like, well, we cannot spend a whole hour editing this podcast because we have other things to do and we want to make sure. So that became kind of like the brand and we structure it in a way where we, when we do the interview and you experience this, where everything is laid out already. So when all he has to do is just grab the files and put them in the computer, maybe do some clipping in here and there, but it's very, very efficient. So I encourage people like in the things that you're doing right now and your relationship with you know, your partner or whatever, have you done first like a time audit? Have you done like the, the have you taken the time to like, just label all the tasks for a specific project that you might be doing? And if it's two of you and there's some like overlapping, how can you divide that based on what you like to do? So I manage all the back end of the podcast. He manages all the front end of the podcast because he's a creative guy. And I trust 100% of what he's going to put out is great. And he trusts 100% of what I'm going to build is going to be effective. 
So that has been a journey, not going to lie, continuous, right? There's here and there, but uh, it's, it's been super interesting, right? And we've taken that to other parts of the business and other parts in our private lives as well. I love that. You know, I think in business, this is a really great takeaway for any entrepreneurs out there. Um, it's what do you specialize in? Because if you do everything, there's probably a 100% chance that you'll do a mediocre job at everything. But if you know what your sweet spot is, if you know where you shine and you can focus on that, then you can delegate the other things. And delegating is really, really hard for entrepreneurs, which is why you guys probably did a lot of, you had a lot of overlap for so long because yeah. it's hard to let go of things. Well, I know how to do that. I'm just going to do it. It, it, it. I can get it done quickly. I'll just quickly do it. Um, yeah. But you quickly do that and it rolls into something else that you need to do and it rolls into something else or you have a problem technically and it sets you back um, because it's not what you specialize in. Yeah. So you're never going to do every step of the journey well. And I think that that is probably the hardest, hardest lesson for entrepreneurs. So I think that that's a really great takeaway, a really great lesson that you shared that you have to literally make a checklist of every step that you take in your work and decide you know, what parts am I going to do and what parts am I going to outsource? And there's a lot of outsourcing technology now with, you know, Fiverr and Contra and like all of these different places you could go and find very yeah. inexpensive, good quality help. Believe it or not, they both exist um, yeah. in the same person. You just need to make that effort to find it so that you can really do what you do well, because if you are the community person and you're really good with people and your reach out is spot on and your conversations or your interviews are beautiful, well, you probably should not be editing the video because that takes a hell of a long time, regardless of how good you are at it. Right. So I, Absol I think that absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you know, uh, the number one problem that we see in our community with the people that, that we support and we help is consistency. Like at the end of the day, right? Consistency is the mother of everything, right? Like if we're not consistent, we cannot measure anything else. So um, especially like in the content world, right? Um, just producing it, a lot of people start doing it themselves because they, they think they might enjoy the process, right? And then all of a sudden you start finding out the things that really dragged you that, that find that maybe are a little bit of a friction point, right? For me, it was editing a hundred percent. I'm not an editor, right? Like I won't go there at all. So to me, it's like, okay, how can I find either a tool that can help me speed up this process and make it easier, right? Or a person that can help you do that. So, uh, and that I think applies with everything. And I remember being in, a, in an event where it was another one of those light bulb moments and it was, okay, what are the things that you do and rate them from one to 10, right? So if you can get them initially to like a six, right? That in your mind, that will be probably a 10, but in the out world, that might look like a six. As soon as you identify that and you do a time study on it, we're like, how long, what, what resources am I using on this, right? Maybe you can find that tool, that person that can elevate that from a six to a 10, right? So you'll get that process all the way to a six, you document that process, and then you plug somebody in or a tool that can help you make it faster and better. And then you'll see, you let them fly, right? Which to me personally was so, so hard, right? Like we spent like the first like three years, not this podcast, but before, right? Trying to figure out content. And it was because we were trying to do it all ourselves. And the second we plugged in that first person who for us in our process is a person that scans the information and selects the clips of information that are valuable to our audience, right? We're going through the video and trying to fight, figure this out. It just added a ton of friction in my life and, and I was not enjoying it. I was like, if this continues, the podcast stops. But the podcast is an amazing tool for us to build relationships and build our business. So it cannot stop. So how do we figure this one out? So that was our first hire, the, the person that will go through that content and identify that. That process has evolved quite a bit, but he was able, he enjoys every second of it. He does it remotely in anywhere in the world where he's at. And, and I don't understand how he loves it so much, <laughs> but you'll find people that will love the tasks that you don't enjoy to do. And, and that was a huge realization. And then as soon as that happened, we start seeing opportunity everywhere, 
right? Uh, and you know, if we want to take it to a real life, I just saw a clip of somebody with like, yeah, I do have a house assistant, right? And and he goes into the house assistant type of deal. And for him, cooking and cleaning and not doing all these things, he has a family. He's like, my time is better spent with my kids, enjoying time with my kids doing X, right? And that's his perspective. And I totally understand it. And he's like, well, I do have the resources. So now we have a house assistant that helps with tasks in the house. She enjoys doing it. You know, she's part of the family now and I get to enjoy my time with my family. So it's like, okay, well, that concept, can we apply it in every single stage? And on the personal side, you know, I know that if I, I by the way, this happened. I went to my wife and I'm like, babe, we need somebody to come and do this. And for her, the value in our relationships is me taking the initiative and doing the thing. So we also have to recognize what is what is the value, right? In the relationships that, that we're offering. So you know, there might be some negotiating that needs to happen, but it's also amazing how you can uncover these opportunities and then think a little bit different on how you can take that task from like a six to like a 10. Well, again, uh, another great takeaway, it's, it's really optimizing your time based on your skill and what you love. So if you can focus on what you like, you're obviously going to be extremely efficient and yeah. you're going to get it done. And by letting go of some of the ancillary tasks that you do, it opens your mind up to, well, how can I do what I'm doing better now, now that I can just focus on my sweet spot? Or did this create room for me to recognize I need something else so that I can maybe have more personal time or, you know, yeah. a house assistant is such, such a great idea. I mean, it doesn't fit for everybody. I get it because maybe financially it doesn't work, but yeah. You know, the flip side of that, the way you did that is um, you decided that you you have the energy to get up at five, even though you have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, to get like your workout in and, and do other things for yourself. So by focusing on what you do best, you know how to use your time wisely and you know where you can find those pockets so that you can open your life up to some other things. So maybe you didn't get the house assistant, but maybe you got a chance to get your workout in because that's the core of who you were. Yeah. Like you used to be a fitness instructor. So finding a spot to fit that in is important for your productivity, yeah. right? Like that's your productivity hack, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the re this is a real story, right? Sometimes we keep these thoughts in, in our heads, right? And we don't express them, we don't share it. And I remember to me, cooking is... Um, I'm not going to say I love it, but like it's like my wife doesn't cook and I cook the basics, right? So we're like, we're done. Like we're not probably the best fans to feed our children. But here's the thing. Like as soon as we had the children, we had this conversation and we're like, we need to figure this one out. Right. So because she doesn't cook, then I'm like, okay, I'll raise my hand and I'll cook. Right. But then uh, we were at my in-laws and uh, my mother-in-law, wonderful. She's the best. Uh was part of this conversation and she's like i enjoy cooking like she loves it and she has like a remote job and she she just takes a lot of pride and she enjoys the process and she's like guess what i'll be honored like to make homemade baby food for your kids and i was like wait what kelly oh my god it's got goosebumps what are you saying and, uh, and she's like absolutely let's i'll do it right and then by the way just bring him we'll have breakfast and we're like oh my gosh and just by having that conversation with something that caused friction in, in our life right that was potentially setting us up for a lot of discussions ahead of time right just by having that conversation and finding that person that will take that task from a six to a ten right and I, and, I, and i hate to be like so formal but by that conversation our lives have been exponentially easier in a way and my mother-in-law is happy because she spends a lot of time with the kids. We are happy because they've been fed amazing and delicious and healthy food, right? And to take a step forward, she was like, hey, Luis, I have time because I cook for my family. Uh, do you want me to cook something for you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you just saying? And her birthday present to me was six months worth of lunches. So, and I'm like, wait, what did you say? And every time I share this story, people are like, oh my gosh, do you like, I hate you secretly. Mother-in-law. <laughs> But it's amazing. And I, and I, you know, I'm extremely appreciative and, and, uh, you know, makes her happy, makes me happy, makes my day a lot of like very efficient, right. Makes my kids happy. It's a lot of winning, 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 winning situation. And it's just started by having that conversation. And maybe we'll, 
we could have gotten to a different solution, but right now is 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 working because I was thinking, mate, I think I'm gonna have to go get a uh, meal prep service, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, stop. You cannot do that, right? She and she's like, "What are you talking about?" And then she went into, "I love doing this. Why don't I do that for you?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, how can I return that that to you tenfold?" And she's like, "I just want time with with my kids. Like her dream has been to be a grandma. Perfect. There's a lot of time with the kids. We spend a lot of time together. So it just got the relationship a lot better. And I encourage people to find those spaces in either your private life and your business. You you'll be surprised. There's a lot of opportunity out there. That is." Really, really beautiful. I love that story. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we um, we forget to ask. We're so busy. We're so inundated with work and home life that we just struggle through, right? We struggle and we push mm-hmm. and we just find a way to make it work, but it's never working well. Yeah. And, um if we just lean in on the people that we love, that we connect with our community, our community doesn't have to be all business. It could be pleasure. It could be our sport. It could be family. It's all the same thing. It's stopping and making maybe a, a, a checklist for that with somebody that you trust, like your wife or your partner or your friend, like Absolutely. this, this is what I do with my day. And, and these two spots are just, they don't work for me very well, you know, and this is why, and then, you know, people offer ideas. So I'm, I'm so proud that you just <laughs> put you. yourself out there like that. And, um, it looks like it's paid off. So that's really awesome. Everybody, everybody wins, you know, grandma gets more time with the kids and you get more time maybe with your wife and you guys get nourishing meals. It's like win, win, win. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm the still only- trying to figure out what was a small print in the, in the <laughs> deal that we signed, you know? <laughs> right. Right. I love that. <laughs> now you see, I was going to ask you if you use coffee as a productivity hack, but I like this fine. I like what you ended with. So I think I'm not going <laughs> to even go there. Thank you so much, Luis. I'm so glad you came on Coffee Culture and we got to talk a, a lot about connection and community. This is really awesome. Yeah. absolutely. thank you Holly, for having me and Coffee Culture. Thank you for having me. And I hope you resonated and, you know, we can be friends one day. <laughs> absolutely. He'll, you'll find him in your DMs. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Send me a message if you listen to this episode. And be like, hey, I'm, you know, I met you with Holly. Awesome. Yeah, totally. And we'll, totally. We're going to put all your stuff in the show notes. So everybody will know how to reach you. But go Thank watch you. his. Go listen to his show and watch his show. Content is profit. And uh, reach out. So thank you. Bye, Holly. Thank you. Would you like to join the party, coffee lovers? I have two ways for you. Please go over to YouTube now and subscribe to at Holly Shannon, and there'll be all the videos of this podcast there as well. What's the second way you can do that? You can leave a review with your ideas in Apple Podcasts. Either way, I would love it if you share a hot cup of connection and coffee culture with a friend. And if you'd like to support this indie podcaster, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Thank you, coffee lovers. This season is produced by Pale Blue Studios.